Consider the Psalms with us today. Welcome to another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot. She called us to live to a higher standard and not be satisfied with just a little religion in our lives. As this series continues, we'll be hearing from family, friends, and others, all influenced by Elizabeth's life and message. Today we begin a short series on the Psalms, as we look at what are the Psalms and using the Psalms as prayers. We'll be hearing from Elizabeth's daughter, Valerie Elliott Shepherd, and we'll be hearing from Steve McCauley. His father, Ed McCauley, was one of the five missionaries killed in Operation Alka. He talks about how his mother didn't need to forgive the Alkas. Think about that with us later. Right now, let's begin this short series on the Psalms with a look at what are Psalms. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot, beginning a series today on the Psalms. You know, the Bible is a very fascinating book full of different kinds of literature. It has history, poetry, wisdom, prophecy, gospels, letters, and that strange book that's in a class by itself, Revelation. In the Old Testament, as most of you know, the Bible is divided into two main sections. There's an Old Testament, which is the account of a nation, the nation of Israel. And of course, it begins with the creation of the world and the animals and the creatures and the moon and the stars and the sun and people. And then the New Testament is the account of a man, of Jesus Christ. We don't find the name Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. We find various hints about him who was to come. And then there's a section right in the middle called Psalms. If you're not very familiar with the Bible, then the easy way to find the Psalms is just to sort of crack it open in the middle, and you'll probably be pretty close to the Psalms. Now, what are Psalms, spelled P-S-A-L-M-S? They're hymns, poems, prayers, heart cries, and you can probably think of some other classifications. They are hard to classify, but above all, we can say that the book of Psalms comprehends and teaches the emotions of the soul. It opens with Psalm 1, which I'm sure is very familiar to most of you, and I will read it from the King James Version, which will please many of my listeners who are very uncomfortable when I use anything other than the King James. And this is a psalm that probably many, many of you know by heart. I can remember hearing this read in school, public school. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season." His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. 
Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You may know that psalm by heart, but maybe you haven't been able to understand exactly what it's talking about. And so I want to read a more modern translation, which will be helpful to some of you who are not really familiar with King James English, which is from the 1600s. This is the same psalm now, but it sounds pretty different, doesn't it? God blesses those people who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners or join in sneering at God. Instead, the law of the Lord makes them happy, and they think about it day and night. They are like trees growing beside a stream, trees that produce fruit in season and always have leaves. Those people succeed in everything they do. That isn't true of those who are evil, because they are like straw blown by the wind. Sinners won't have an excuse on the day of judgment, and they won't have a place with the people of God. The Lord protects everyone who follows him, but the wicked follow a road that leads to ruin. Now that's very plain, it seems to me, plainer than blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. God blesses those people who refuse evil advice. We can all understand that. So those of you who are not comfortable with anything but the King James, just bear with me. The Psalms show us how we are to respond to ordinary troubles. That's the wonderful thing. You can find what we are supposed to do, the law of the Lord in the Old Testament, and many, many very clear, straightforward, and unequivocal instructions in the New Testament. But we often want to ask, but Lord, how am I supposed to do that? To me, it's a wonderful thing that the Lord preserved these very human heart cries and emotions. And some of them are really howls because the psalmist is in the pits of despair. And the Lord preserved these for us so that we would see what a human reaction can be to the commandments of God. It's an indication of God's compassion and understanding of us helpless, sinful people. So the Psalms show us how we are to respond to ordinary troubles and what the specific challenge is and what to do about it. There are two kinds of people in Psalm 1. You've got the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly and the man who does. And there's a difference between them. In many other books of the Bible, we find words which forbid sinfulness. But in the Psalms, we learn how to avoid it. Let's look at Psalm 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. A more modern translation says, I have a lot of enemies, Lord. Many fight against me and say, God won't rescue you. But you are my shield, and you give me victory and great honor. I pray to you, and you answer from your sacred hill. I sleep and wake up refreshed, because you, Lord, protect me. Ten thousand enemies attack from every side. 
but I am not afraid. Come and save me, Lord God. Break my enemies' jaws and shatter their teeth, because you protect and bless your people. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly, says the King James. Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Ten thousand enemies attack me, but I'm not afraid. So we are blessed. The people of God are blessed, which means happy. That word really does mean happy. I know we use it in a more specialized sense sometimes, but the blessed are the happy people. Then Psalm 5 starts right out, begging God to listen. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. We would say today, listen, Lord, as I pray. Pay attention when I groan. Verse 2 in the King James, Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. The more modern one, You are my King and my God. Answer my cry for help, because I pray to you. In Psalm 3, we find a man who was asking God to guide him because he was surrounded by so many enemies. He was asking God to get rid of them in verse 10. That's a pretty blunt way to put it, isn't it? Get rid of them, Lord. And then in Psalm 6, this is the cry of a man who is feeling very weak, needing healing. His soul is sore vexed, he says. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. A modern translation, don't punish me, Lord, or even correct me when you are angry. Have pity on me and heal my feeble body. My bones tremble with fear, and I am in deep distress. How long will it be? So when you're feeling weak, needing healing, if you're in deep distress, with a sore soul, wishing that somebody could rescue you, read the Psalms. Verse 6 of Psalm 6 in the King James says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. That's a bit difficult to figure out in modern English, isn't it? But how about this one? My groaning has worn me out. At night, my bed and pillow are soaked with tears. We would hardly say, all the night make I my bed to swim. And one reason that I want to explain to you why different translations mean so much to me, and I have a whole shelf of different translations of the Bible, is because I myself was a Bible translator. And those who say that we should use only the King James Version baffle me because I would want to say, what about the Quechua Indians of the eastern jungle of Ecuador? They didn't speak English. What am I supposed to teach them? The original Greek? Well, they wouldn't understand that any better than they would understand English. So what was I supposed to do but translate to the best of my ability into their language? from English and Greek. Now, of course, I, I don't speak Hebrew, so I had to go to the authorities for some of the words in the Old Testament. But I did the best that I could. Would you say that they are wrong in not using the King James, or that they are missing out, or possibly they're missing out on some things? But there are thousands of translators all over the world, and we do the best we can to give the Word of God faithfully for the sake of those who do not have it in their language. 
The first in a series on the Psalms, that's called What Are Psalms? Later on, using the Psalms as prayers. Right now, a book about prayer is what Valerie Elliott Shepherd has for us. Elizabeth's daughter, Valerie, is going to uh, recommend a book. The first one was called A Severe Mercy by Sheldon Van Auken, A-U-K-E-N. And it's a true story of a young couple who become Christians after they've been married. And her excitement, this is what really challenged me to read the Bible 30 days in a row. Her excitement over reading the Bible convicted me as a Christian. I thought, I've been a Christian all my life. I've never really been that excited to read the Bible. And so I'm going to ask the Lord to show me. And I didn't finish that part of the story is that when I found that verse, thy words were found and thy words became, and I ate them, and they became to me the joy and delight of my life. It was really true that I needed the Word of God daily. So that, that, that second book I actually found in those following two weeks of that 30-day commitment, uh, we went to Dallas to visit Walt's parents, whose father, his father had just had a heart attack, and he was between death and life, and he said he felt like Paul betwixt and between wanting to be with Christ, but also knowing he still had work to do. And I was in a bookstore during that two weeks and saw that book, What Happens When Women Pray, by Evelyn Christensen. It was written, I believe, in the 70s. And it really opened my eyes to how women's work and prayer with women could really help the women in the church. And so a little Bible study I'd been doing once a month with the women in that church in Louisiana, which I had no clue what I was doing because I had never taught a Bible study. But this book opened my eyes to the possibility and joy of prayer about everything. And I tried to show from reading that book to those women, tried to show them it's not just about praying for people's physical ailments. It's about praying for God's glory to be seen in their lives, uh, in their husbands' and children's lives. And it just became a much more alive group when we started to say, okay, let's be real about what we're really worried about, what we're really longing for. And uh, God answers prayer. And he answers it sometimes in very unusual ways or ways that we have to wait for a long time before he answers. But it was, it really opened my heart to prayer. And, uh, helped my relationship with those women in Louisiana. Valerie Elliott Shepherd, daughter of Elizabeth, and uh, thank you for that recommendation. Uh, later on, we'll be hearing from the son of one of the other missionaries killed in Operation Alka, Steve McCulley. And he talks about whether his mom really needed to forgive the Alkas, or, well, Donnie people, about the reaction among Christians to the killing of his father and the others. That's later. Right now, it's part two in the series on the Psalms, using the Psalms as prayers. The Psalms are a most human part of the Bible. They cover the whole range of human emotions. Some of you listening may need help in knowing what to pray for or how to pray. Well, how about just taking a Psalm? If you haven't got the words that you would like to use, perhaps this psalm will give them to you. O Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me like a lion. 
and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord my God, if I have done this, and there is guilt on my hands, if I have done evil to him who is at peace with me, or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. You, Lord, are my protector. Rescue me and keep me safe from all who chase me, or else they will rip me apart like lions, attacking a victim and no one will save me. I am innocent, Lord God. I have not betrayed a friend or had pity on an enemy who attacks for no reason. If I have done this, then let my enemies chase and capture me. Let them stomp me to death and leave me in the dirt. Get angry, Lord God. Do something. If you're tormented by enemies or enraptured by the glory of the night sky or you're needing security, how about trying Psalm 9? I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause. That's Psalm 9. But I mentioned the glory which is described in Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? Another translation. I often think of the heavens your hands have made, and of the moon and stars you put in place. Then I ask, why do you care about us humans? Why are you concerned for us weaklings? You made us a little lower than yourself, and you have crowned us with glory and honor. Psalm 15 is one that I don't want to skip. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? The answer comes, he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. There might be a word or two in that psalm that's not familiar to a modern reader. Verse 4, for example, in modern English, they hate worthless people, but show respect for all who worship the Lord, and they keep their promises no matter what the cost. They keep their promises, no matter what the cost. Pretty clear, isn't it? They lend their money without charging interest, and they don't take bribes to hurt the innocent. Those who do these things will always stand firm. And I have found that very often, whatever the matter is that I may be praying about and puzzled about, 
I can find an answer, not necessarily the solution to my problem, but I can find a way to talk to God about it through the words of the psalmist, because the psalms seem to comprise the whole mess of human relations here in this sad world. And it's so encouraging to realize that these songs that were written hundreds and thousands of years ago are still just as relevant in our time as they were back then. Does your soul need reviving? You feeling a little bit blah today? Well, here's one. A very familiar psalm in the King James Version. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Now, to me, that's magnificent language, but I must confess that having known it all my life, I don't think I was very clear about that day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. So here's something which I found helpful. The heavens keep telling the wonders of God, and the skies declare what he has done. Each day informs the following day. Each night announces to the next. They don't speak a word, and there is never the sound of a voice. Yet their message reaches all the earth, and it travels around the world. Wonderful, isn't it? Their message reaches all the earth, and it travels around the world. And then that beautiful metaphor, the sun is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run the race. Now, if you do happen to be one of those people that's feeling a little bit blah and in need of some wisdom, verse 7 in Psalm 19 is helpful. The law of the Lord is perfect. It gives us new life. His teachings last forever, and they give wisdom to ordinary people. The Lord's instruction is right. It makes our hearts glad. His commands shine brightly, and they give us light. We were talking last week about the devotional life, about having time alone with God, and I'm sure that for many of you, when you're just starting out, you just think, well, I still don't understand the scriptures, and I don't see how I'm supposed to get guidance out of this. But I really think that as you faithfully and in, a, in an ordered way read the Bible, you can expect that the Spirit of God is going to use whatever passage you're reading that day for your own good. He will show you how to apply it. Now, that doesn't mean that we can necessarily find the answer to, shall I buy that house next week, in my morning devotions today. It might work that way. But it's my experience that the most important thing about having private time with God is the consistent placing myself in His presence with the expectation that in His time, He is going to show me what to do. So when the psalmist in Psalm 19 says, By your teachings, Lord, I am warned. By obeying them, I am greatly rewarded. You're going to find that that does come true as you honestly seek to do whatever God is telling you that day. And you can be quite sure 
that God is not going to ever tell you anything that goes contrary to his word. That's a good test of the guidance of God. He is not going to double-cross himself. The psalmist goes on to say, None of us know our faults. Forgive me when I sin without knowing it. Don't let me do wrong on purpose, Lord, or let sin have control over my life. Then I will be innocent and not guilty of some terrible fault. And verse 14 of Psalm 19 is very familiar to many of you. In the old version, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. A more modern one says, Let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you, Lord, because you are my mighty rock and my protector. You might use that as the very opening of your time alone with God. Psalm 19:14. Let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Does God seem unfair sometimes? You can be sure that he is always right. Verse 9, worshiping the Lord is sacred. He will always be worshiped. All of his decisions are correct and fair. And when they don't seem correct and fair to us, that's our opportunity to say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I trust you. Part two in a short series on the Psalms, using the Psalms as prayers. Well, before we go, we heard earlier from Valerie Elliott Shepherd, the daughter of Jim Elliott and Elizabeth. Right now, we're going to hear from the son of one of the other missionaries killed in Operation Alka, Steve McCulley. Did his mom struggle with the idea of forgiving the Alka people for the killing of her husband? She would talk to us anytime we wanted to, because kids as far back as I can remember, or then as as adults, as grown-ups. You know, obviously she loved my dad, and I think she liked talking about him, and she was very proud of what, what they had done, and she was so grateful that God had, had used it, you know, so greatly. Because when the, these five guys are killed, you know, nobody knows what's going to become of it. And the initial reaction of a lot of believers is, you know, what a waste. You know, how can this, this is going to set back missions forever? Who's going to want to go in the mission field, you know, after these guys have this happened? But what I remember about my mom was, and I don't know this at the time, but I'm three years old. I learned it later. She never once had that attitude. She uh, never once felt like this was a waste. You know, her heart was broken, but she trusted that God knew what he was doing. She used to say to me, if we believe in an all-knowing, all-loving God, all-powerful God, infinitely wise, doesn't it seem like sometimes things are going to happen that are beyond our comprehension? When somebody asked her about forgiving the Wadani, she said, you know what? I never felt like I needed to forgive the Wadani. She said, I can understand if somebody breaks into your house and steals your stuff or breaks into your house and kills somebody, they need forgiveness. But these Wadani... That was what they did. That's how they lived, you know. And even the missionaries didn't know the, the extent of the violence. They knew that everybody else was terrified of this people group. They didn't know of the violence within the people group. 
But she said, I, I never felt like I needed to forgive them because they, they were just doing, you know, they didn't know any other way of life. Longtime coach and teacher Steve McCauley, whose father, Ed, was one of the five missionaries killed in Operation Alka, talking about his mother, Mary Lou. Well, as Elizabeth was known to say, anything, if offered to God, can and will become your gateway to joy. Thanks for joining us for these two Gateway to Joy programs in the short series on the Psalms. More next time on the Psalms, but before we go, let me thank you for joining us today. Maybe we found you at the office. Maybe you were at home or out getting some exercise. Thanks for letting us come along. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out elizabethelliot.org for more lectures and talks, videos, and more. elizabethelliot.org The next time you get a chance, leave a review for us to encourage others to listen to this program as well. Until next time, may God remind you daily that you're loved with an everlasting love and underneath are the everlasting arms.